Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 628 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? Uh, I just had to have a conversation with my refrigerator, but I'm doing all right. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well, too. Didn't make the ice the way I like it. Oh, okay. <laughs> it took me a second to pick it up, but I got it now. Say it's your joke. Come on. <laughs> I know, but sometimes I'm so focused on doing an amazing podcast, I get distracted sometimes, Joe. Laser focused. Hyper focused sometimes. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but uh would you so, like hey, to- speaking of speaking of hyper focused on a podcast, what do we got to talk about on the podcast today, Todd? Um we, uh, chock full of news, not really. We only have one what? story. What what not is up to? Um, and also, Joe, uh, the return of the Rob Watch. What's the Rob worth to you, Joe? Um, conventions. What we read last week, which was we only have one thing there, too, is uh, Follow Me Down, a reckless book. Um, what we're looking forward to this week. Todd and Joe have issues. The battle for second place, a.k.a. Todd and Joe go rogue. I haven't checked out that, so I want to see what that'll be. Um, a Todd's Art Attack. And finally, spoiler-filled talk about the finale of She-Hulk and also uh, the current episodes of Andor and Stargirl. Yes, indeed. And, uh, you know, hey, we we saved the TV stuff for the end. Uh, so, you know, it's been a week. So spoilers ahoy, right? Right, right. So at this point, you have no one to blame but yourself. Yep. And I have a, I have a, a nitpick about She-Hulk. But, yes, uh, I heard. Yes. So we'll get there. We don't need a jingle or nothing, but we'll, we'll no. get there. I'm not making, I'm not requesting any more jingles. <laughs> I'm allotted one a year. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so we talked about it a couple weeks ago, um, that whatnot, uh, the social media selling thing. Right. Uh, is getting into the world of comics. Uh, they have a bunch of books coming out starting this month. And they just recently announced that they have acquired the publishing rights to Heavy Metal Magazine. Right. Which I say that's probably like their biggest coup, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, Heavy Metal Magazine is pretty famous. It had two movies, Joe. One good. One all right. Yeah. I never saw the second one. Uh, I think they used to play it like in he- they used to play both of them in heavy rotation on like late night TBS. Mm-hmm. And I remember one was good and one wasn't. Right, right. But uh, yeah, so this is you know a big acquisition. Um, you know the fact that uh, Heavy Metal Magazine is still published occasionally. The fact that it's getting you know a big publisher, a new publisher is getting behind it. You mentioned it has the name recognition. People know what Heavy Metal Magazine is, but this is the first time that in all the years of Heavy Metal being published that it's getting relaunched with a new number one. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah, Everything gets definitely. a new number one eventually. So now, and and that's the thing is. Hopefully, uh, this is also Whatnot's way of getting a foothold into the direct market as well for some of their books, right? I would think so. Yeah. Um, so there's no date uh, of when this is coming out. It just says uh, next year, right? 
Mm-hmm. So that could be like three months from now, or it could be fifteen months from now. You know, but fifteen months from now is this next Tuesday for something right. else. Um, but yeah, it's a big thing. You know, I don't think I've ever read heavy metal, but you know, hopefully this uh, gets more eyes on the whatnot publisher. Yeah, I think I've only read a few issues of heavy metal over my entire career of reading comics, and I just like the big the high point for me was when uh, Kevin Eastman was in charge of it. Yeah. And I remember being at a con and our retailer, I'll actually give him credit for this. He, we like, everybody was asking turtle questions to Kevin Eastman. He was there and our retailer asked him, he's like, what happened? It, it was right after the South Park episode with heavy metal. Yes. With the, with the cat drug, if you remember. And he asked him like, what about like, uh, did that affect anything? And he's like, oh boy. And Kevin was legitimately happy to get like a non turtle question. And he goes, he goes, you have no idea. He goes, that crashed all the servers, like brought our site down because it, like, you know, heavy metal wasn't in the limelight since then. And they did the parody of the movie and everybody went looking for it. And he's like, that was the most like PR we had gotten in like a long time and like bumped, you know, sales and stuff like that. I was like, good for you. You know, that was cool. Absolutely. And like I said, I, and the other thing is, at least now I know that it's actually still being published. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. So good on them. Ask not for whom the Rob trolls. The Rob trolls for thee. And now, the Rob Watch. And that pause means it's time for the Rob Watch. Mm-hmm. Now, this is like a full month that we've been having a discussion of the Rob on the podcast here. So, you know, he must be up to no good. Right. A very energetic month. <laughs> um, but it's less um, the Rob being up to no good. And I would say that it's more, um, you know, stemming from last week's discussion of what the Rob charges at conventions. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. So um, we all were kind of looking at his uh, price list of how much he charges for stuff with sticker shock. But uh, what how are those prices been and holding up and everything else? Right. Right. So Todd, uh, like a uh, broadcast journalist, did a journalism and was able to pull Rob's pricing from all the way back to 2017. Yep. To modern day. To modern day, right. And it's interesting to see how the pricing on some of this stuff has changed. Uh, So the one thing that I will say that has held fast, okay, has been an inscription. If you want an inscription on your cover uh, from the Rob, like take care, brush your hair, whatever, right? (laughs) Brush your hair. Right. Right. it is and has always been $100. It was $100 in 2017. It's $100 today. Okay. The next would be the Deadpool balloon. He just like, as part of his signature, he draws a little balloon that has the Deadpool eyes in it, right? Right. Since 2017, that had been $50. And it was just this year where it went up to 60 Ooh, inflation. Right. Now, this one was an interesting one. So on the 2017 stuff that you had sent me, um, he specifically cited 
that if you were looking for a uh, signature with a, you know, looking for something to be signed that had any sort of Deadpool or Cable or X-Force character on the cover, that was specifically listed out as 30 bucks. okay? Mm-hmm. Wasn't on his 18 or 19. There was nothing in 2020 uh, listing. But then when it came back in 2021, that went up from 30 to 50. And then this year went up to 75. Right. And there was no 21, right? No, there was no, no 20. There 20, was 20, my mistake. Sorry. Yep, yep. Um, so now we get into the Mark photo with the Rob. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, 2017, it was only 20 bucks. In 2018, it went up to 40 bucks where it's been the whole time. Right. Mine was free, Joe. Right. So you must have been pre-2017, right? Definitely. Definitely was. I don't think he was charging at the time at all for for photographs. Mm -hmm. Now, if you wanted him to sign a comic or a print uh, that does not have a Deadpool or Cable or X-Force specific person on it, that's actually something that, you know, uh, and again... It was thirty bucks in two thousand seventeen. Then it went up to two, uh, forty bucks in two thousand eighteen. Then it went up to fifty bucks in two thousand twenty one. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's where it is now. Still fifty bucks. We're I'm kind of saving everything toward the end for like the big jumps, you know. Right. And everything that we're talking about here, whatever price we give, like you said, forty bucks for all other comics, he would tack on an extra twenty bucks on everything if it was going to be signature series cgc like graded as like verified that he signed it yeah i didn't get into any of that because that's like a whole separate that would have been like a whole separate column for each year you know i didn't want to right well i'm looking and it looks like no matter what year we give it's just 20 bucks extra oh, okay. for the grading like if you know we talk about just all other comics are 20 40 if that stayed all four years Mm-hmm. It's always 60. So no matter what, a grading uh, verify is just $20 extra. Now, this one was always strange to me. Um, X-Force issue 11. I guess this was like a big Deadpool issue, right? Right. This is where it probably Rob created the full personality of Deadpool, Joe. Hmm. Or not. Or not again, but I again, it's always weird that that one's been on the list of stuff. But, um, you know, he would have like a separate listing of pricing if you wanted X Force number 11, and that was one set of pricing, and then New Mutants 87 or 98. And 87 is the first appearance of Cable, 98 is the first appearance of Deadpool, right? Right. So, 2017, that X Force 11 was 60 bucks, either of those two New Mutants issues were 80 bucks, right? Mm hmm. And they stayed that way for 18 and 19. We take the year off for 2020. The Rob comes back in 21. That X-Force book jumps up to 80 bucks. The New Mutants book jumps up to 100 bucks. Right. Now, 2022, any of those three books are 125 bucks. Yep. Oh, and so, in 2022, it went up to $25 for grading. So he oh, did okay, the $5 right. See, that's what I'm bump. saying. It's like the, you know, yeah. So it, it was 20 at one point, then it went up to 25 right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, I will say then uh, in 2021, when he returned, he added a new pricing tier if you wanted him to sign a trading card or a non-X-Force Funko. 
Because okay. obviously, if it's if you're signing anything with an X Force character, Deadpool, Cable, or any X Force character, it was the fifty bucks, seventy bucks in twenty twenty one, right? Mm-hmm. If you're looking for a non X Force Funko, it was forty dollars in twenty one, sixty dollars in twenty twenty two. Mm-hmm. Trading card is and always has been eighty bucks. Okay, <laughs> right. This is where the opportunity really comes in with what the Rob's up to. Not that he finally figured out that X-Force, that random issue of X-Force is worth just as much as the first appearance of Cable or the first appearance of Deadpool when it comes to getting something signed, right? Right. Um, was He has a specialized logo in which he signs his name. The Liefeld logo. The Liefeld chisel, if you will. Right. And there was no pricing for that in in uh, 2017. It wasn't until 2018 where he figured this is a different thing that I could do. So 18 right. and 19, it was 25 bucks. 2021, it goes up to 40 bucks. 2020, yeah, 2022 is now where we get into. You want the regular chisel? You want the raised fancy ink chisel? That's an extra 20 bucks. You want it with the rainbow ink? That's another 20 bucks on top of that. Right, that's the all-inclusive uh, signature, Joe. Right, so it's just interesting to see how the Rob's pricing has gone up over the last five years. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I was going to go deeper and, like, do investigative journalism to see, like, okay, how much is X-Force 11? How much is it signed? Like, how much would it be to uh, buy these things? And I have a sinking suspicion that it would probably just be cheaper to go and buy these things already pre-signed on eBay, as I have a feeling that these things possibly lose their value quicker than a car being driven off the lot. Come on, Joe. This is the Rob. He has his own watch. Why would that happen? No, I'm with you. And I will say this. I probably believe 90 or more percent of the people who buy all this stuff off them get signed... They're for themselves. I honestly do. I sure. see that. I see that line, and we rib the Rob here. That line is one of the biggest lines at any con. But I do believe his fans are rabid, and they're like, "Yeah, I want my New Mutants, whatever sign, and I'll pay that money." And you know, whatever, go, good for him. Do what, buy, get that money, and do whatever you're going to do with it. Right. Roll it up and put it in your pocket. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that's really all we got in news, um, conventions this weekend. We don't rarely do this. We try to stick, uh, within the continental United States, unless there's something pretty crazy going on. And there are some conventions going on this weekend, but like nothing major, no big guests because I think one, everyone's coming off New York, getting ready for Baltimore next week. And, uh, the only big one that I could find this weekend is one called Facts in Belgium of all places. Ooh. And we've got Pia Guerrera, uh, Michael Cho, Glenn Fabry, and Dave Johnson uh, at that one. Right. So, I don't know. Uh, I could look at the metrics on the show and the downloads. I don't know how many listeners we have in Belgium. If there are any, send us waffles. <laughs> I have my fancy waffles that I bought uh, in the freezer section. I'm good. But thank yeah. you. I just have bagels for breakfast, so... I, I think they just call them waffles over there. They don't even have a fancy name for them. <laughs> right, in China, they don't call Chinese food Chinese food. Yeah, they just call it food. Right. 
But I see a billboard all the time, and I always it's one of those things where like, um, those this is a it's biggest side note. But you mentioned Belgian waffles. Mm-hmm. Uh, those electronic billboards are bad news for me because like you get three or four or five different things on them, you know? Right. And they don't stick with you the same one as like a dedicated billboard, you know? You wait to the first of the month, new billboard day, and you yep. write down all the new things that are out there, right? Mm-hmm. But there's one electronic billboard by me, and I always see it pop up real quick, and I always miss, like, all the particulars about it. But right. I guess in the greater, like, Luzerne uh, County area, there's a Belgium waffle food truck. Ooh. Yeah. But, I, again, like, I, it's one of those things where, like, if it was a dedicated billboard, I'd be like, it would stick with me more. Um, and I have to, like, write a note for myself when we're done here to look up information about the Belgium waffle food truck. Right. And I mean, I, I'm the same way. I look at, you know, the big, the big signs, but the only thing I can think is like a clown college. You can't eat right. that, Joe. You can't eat that. <laughs> uh, but no, links to this will be in the show notes, of course, along with information about the soon-to-be-named network at soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. Anytime any of the shows in the network go up. Uh, I get messages from people that they're getting notifications from Spotify like two, three days after shows go up. I don't trust a podcatcher. Why should you? I trust soon to be named network.com. <laughs> when you want to find out when Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, At Odds with Wrestling, We Need Wrestling, Final Wrestling Plays, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Hit My Music. Uh, there's no new episodes of No Chance in Helmet, but you can find them archived there. Uh, you could get information about Wings on Wings, uh, Porch Talk, all the shows in the soon-to-be-named network. At any time any of those folks show up on other shows and they let me know that they're on those other shows, they'll show up at soon-to-be-named network. No podcatcher's going to do that for you. I'm better than every podcatcher ever. There I said it. That's right. Joe, the human podcatcher. That's right. It's a, just a text file of RSS feeds. That's, you know... It's, Hasn't hasn't failed me for the last however long podcasts have existed, and I don't see it failing me anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, but hey, more information, more of our friends that you can go check out uh, over in the link section with uh, the show notes. Uh, go check out Mike Sterling's uh, blog, Progressive Rune. He's a West Coast retailer, been at the game for over 30 years. Our friend Kevin's website, his blog, MassedLibrary.com. Rick Williams, The Chop Shop, all those cool resin, glow-in-the-dark, sci-fi fantasy wrestling figures that he does. Uh, Jason Sandberg and Chris Runt, two long-term listeners of this show, have both self-published comic books. We have the links to go check those out. And I think on Chris's site, you can even find information about his podcast that he does as well. Uh, Also, you can find information about our local comic book shop. Say you don't have a comic book shop in your area. Or you don't have a good comic book shop in your area. In your area, let our shop be your shop. Go check out their social media. Go sign up for their mail order subscription service. Get stuff mailed to you weekly, bi-weekly, monthly. And if you do, when you do, there's a chance you can get a sketch from our good friend Becky. You can go find out her sketches and process and prints and everything that she does artistically on her social media. And all of that is linked up in the show notes to every single one of these posts, no matter where you get these episodes. Hopefully through soon to be named network.com. Right. So let's get into what we read from this past week, uh, which is one comic, but it's really like five comics. Yes. Um, it is a reckless book. Follow me down written by Ed Brubaker art 
by Sean Phillips. You know, the continuing story of Ethan Reckless, a not so much a PI, and he even says it in this issue, a guy who just takes cases um, for people who can't go to, you know, the police or actual private detectives. And the cool thing about this one is it takes place uh, almost simultaneously with the last hardcover, which was mostly about Anna, his assistant, and he wasn't around for most of that story. And he comes back because he was in San Francisco on a case, if you call it that. And that's what this is about. Um, It starts out with him, you know, saying like it jumps forward a few years from the last one. And he's, he's like telling the story about how during the San Francisco earthquake, he had to go do this case for a friend that he ended up meeting through uh, living in this neighborhood. And he had a son who his uh, wife disappeared. And he was like, could you kind of do it, go to him? And he's like, well, I haven't really done cases because I didn't need the money. But the guy, did. he owed him a favor, so he takes it. And he goes down, and through a series of events, he finds out that this woman might be involved with a murder down there. And he ends up, you know, using all his tricks with his FBI friend and leads and going places. And he gets information about this girl. um, And he finds out that she had a troubled past. Uh, Maybe she was abused as a kid. So he goes to see some of the family, pieces it all together. And he goes down and realizes that she's, uh, after the earthquake, she's been traumatized and she's going to take out all the people who have wronged her. And through a series of events, Reckless is like, I don't, I want to stop her, but then maybe he's going to help her. And he gets her life story. He, she gets his, and they start kind of falling for each other. And then think, I don't want to give too much away. There's like a time jump. At one point, and it's like, I can't believe how far into Reckless's future we get some of the story. And once again, we get some hints of, like, what's going to happen to characters in the book, um, like Anna and, and other stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is very interesting because I see, you know, where the direction Reckless is eventually heading in. Um, I really liked it because it gave a glimpse of this future. I mean, it's Ed Brubaker. I, I'm going to like it. You know, he could throw words on a paper and I'd be... Like, oh, my God, it's so great. But I really like that this one felt a little different, but I like the case and how it took years for certain things to come to pass, um, all about it. And it makes me want to read the because ne- the next stories will be in between these two, according to the afterword. And I'm like, the hints that they gave me, I'm like, OK, I want to see what happens because you, you gave me a taste all around. If you like Ed Brubaker and his crime stuff, especially if you like Reckless, it's all there. Uh, I can't recommend these these books enough. I've been getting them in hardcovers. They look really nice on the shelf. Get them. Uh, yeah, so I don't know what else um, I could mention that you didn't. Uh, you know, obviously, we always sit here and wonder, what was Ed Brubaker's inspiration for one of these stories? Like, there's too many very particulars and we're not taking anything away from Brubaker's ability as a writer because we think he's a phenomenal writer we would be talking about him every time that he puts something like this out right Mm -hmm. but there's such particular things in the way that he paints these pictures with the stories that he tells that it makes me feel as though this is a story he heard or something that he saw somewhere or whatever 
the inspiration comes from somewhere and all he needs is that little piece and he just really kind of expands on it and makes it into the this whole world essentially right right very believable yeah and like obviously um you know we get like a very definitive time frame of when this happens because right around the time of the 1989 earthquake and again i remember the 1989 earthquake you know i'm old enough to remember that even though we're on the east coast it was a big news story right I remember seeing it during the baseball game. Yeah. I was flicking through the station. They were like, there's been an earthquake here at the stadium. But go ahead. Sorry. No. So it's, um, you know, obviously um, it very puts you much in a time frame where you know exactly when and where this is coming out. You know, Mm -hmm. like when this action transpires, you get the opening, I guess the cold open uh, in the beginning of the book, which is very strange to say it's a cold open at the beginning of the book that really sets the tone for what this story is going to be. And I think even in the description for this, as you were kind of like, uh, what exactly is Ethan? You know, but in the uh, write up uh, on the, you know, for the book, it says troublemaker for hire, you know, not a, not a bad moniker. Yes. Um, and I will say, um, you know, so, okay, so obviously he's on the case of the missing girl because of the two guys that he meets in uh, the motel where he's living. He befriends them. They set him on the case to find the one guy's son's wife who disappeared. And we find out that she has a history of doing this during traumatic incidents. And there's something that Ethan finds in their apartment that kind of leads him on the path of, like, where I need to go to find her, right? Mm-hmm. And there gets to be a part where he goes to the Vacaville prison, right? Where one mm-hmm. of the people are. Uh, maybe it was someone named in the letter. Maybe it was someone related to someone named in the letter. You know, whatever it was. And it's one of these things where it's somebody who doesn't have much time to live for a variety of reasons besides the fact that they're in jail. But uh, Ethan's inner monologue is him lamenting that he can't use his typical tactics to get information out of um, out of a witness or out of a suspect because they're in prison. He lays a hand on this guy. You know, he's going to be in a ton of trouble, right? Yep. Um, so, it was, so I think, you know, obviously we've been reading this character over these five graphic novels and it's just such an interesting thing to hear him kind of say that or think that or us see that, you know, uh, which made it, I think, that much easier for this character you know, it's called follow me down, but to g- kind of assist the person that he was looking for, like not finish the job that he was hired to do. But was it that he fell for this girl? Possibly. Was it the fact that by accompanying this girl, he gets to kind of, you know, cause more trouble and beat some mm-hmm. people up and break some heads? Yep. Because um, there's at least two instances in the book when he's helping her. Um, where he just acts irrationally. Um, yes. And obviously it pays off, but it's one of those things that's like, okay, we should wait and formulate a plan, and he's already off down the hill causing trouble. And it's cool because, like, you go back to the first Reckless Hardcover and whatever happened while he was undercover for the FBI or the CIA, well, the FBI, and he had that explosion and he was damaged, and it kind of takes his way, his, like, ability to feel, you know what I mean? Not physically, but, like, mentally. And it's because this girl that he's helping rekindle something. Yeah. That's what I 100% love that because he's like, 
normally like, all right, these types of stories, like what the people are doing, like trafficking and everything like that. He's like, that affects me. Then she sparks something and it makes it like even more intense. I was like, okay, it all makes sense because this isn't what the character's been for four trade trade paperbacks, but you explain it. That and I like that it's not happily ever after, even when it's happily ever after. It's like, here's my story and it's as good as it can get. For me, anyway. And I'm like, oh, good, because it's not perfect, if that makes any sense. Right. But it's good. It's, it is, yeah, Andrew Baker and Sean Phillips are pretty good. Yeah, they've been, uh, I think, uh, in the little back matter, uh, he says that they've been doing comics since, uh, not Criminal, what was the one that they did before that? Sleeper, maybe? I think it was Sleeper. Sleeper, then Gotham Central, then this, uh, since 2006? Wow, I'm old. Yeah, yeah. Um, da, 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 and I know you would mention about like what we we're gonna see next. Um, so right, so it says, um, you know, this takes place in 1989. Um, and he says that uh, Ethan and Anna will return and in the 90s next time, right? Right. But he does say, quote, um, so that's five reckless books in under two years. Now it's time for me and Sean to take a brief side trip to something else. Right. Um, and it says, don't, I don't want to spoil it here, but look for the announcement soon and a new hardback graphic novel from us in the spring we're already hard at work on. So they're doing something to bridge whatever the next, rec like something unrelated, right? Right. And I'm assuming, assuming, that we didn't get the announcement for it yet because the solicitations for uh, January 2022 aren't out yet. And I don't even think we'll get it. I think might, we might get it like a little after that too. Like it might not be January. Maybe it might be February. No. So I, I will say this as someone who catalogs and tracks these things. Right. Um, single issues are always two months out, but even with image and even with these, these get tracked like an extra, like two months out. Oh, okay. I never really, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. if anybody would know, it'd be you. So. <laughs> But in between there, they have that, like, criminal Christmas story, too, don't they? Right, but that's just, like, a little short thing. No, in I'm the with you. Image anthology. I'm sure that that might even, you know, I'm not saying that it's definitely going to be something uh, criminal. But I could definitely see, um, you know, maybe when that comes out, it'll be in conjunction with that, you know? Right. I thought it was actually going to be a criminal story. No, no, okay, so maybe I'm not being clear. I apologize. Right. So what's going to be in the image anthology thing is going to be a criminal story. Gotcha, 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 gotcha. When that comes out, maybe that comes out, and that's where they end up announcing what their next thing they're doing is. Right, Le like piggybacking the the the, the, the people talking about it. You know? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, here's a criminal story, and if you like this, we have this coming out in a couple months. Right. That makes more sense to me. All right. So that's what we read from this past week. Let's look at what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, if you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Uh, Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, Todd is currently in the lead over me with six correct guesses. Uh, let's see if I can uh, change any of that, huh? 
Right. And since I started the show, I go first. And looking over your pool list is the thing you are looking forward to most. Rogues number four? No, it's not. Ooh, okay. So um, I'm going to get, before I reveal mine, I'm going to guess the thing that you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Rogues number four. I should lie, but I'm going to say yes, it is. Uh, okay, don't lie. No, I would never lie, but I, Rogues it is. I've been, I've been enjoying this, and this is the final issue. I'm looking forward to Rogues. Yeah, so I guess my thing with this is, um, because there's been such a delay in it. Yeah. Um, the book I'm most looking forward to coming out this week is uh, Nightwing 97. Okay. Um, even though it's more or less been like one continuous story arc, this is kind of sort of the beginning of a new story arc. Right, leading to Big 100. Right. And uh, so I'm excited. I've really been enjoying this book quite a bit. So I'm definitely excited to see what the uh, the next thing is upcoming here for Nightwing. Okay. And uh, what do we do next? Okay, so uh, <coughs> while you're over at longboxheroes.com, uh, be sure... Sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I are up to, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, and of course the current placeholder, if you will, for uh, Todd and Joe Have Issues, a.k.a. Todd and Joe Go Rogue, a.k.a. The Silver Standard, uh, a.k.a. The Battle for Second Place. Uh, Todd and I uh, and everyone in the world knows that The Flash has the best rogues gallery in all of comics. Uh, we are trying to determine who is the second best rogues gallery in all of comics. Todd feels it's Batman. I feel it's Spider-Man. We've taken the bottom of the barrel villains of each of those rogues galleries, pit them together in a giant tournament, and we are down to the sweet 16, and we're narrowing closer to the final eight on this. Uh, this week was a pure Spider-Man versus Bat-Villain matchup. As Bart Hamilton, a.k.a. Green Goblin III, took on the bouncer. Uh, Todd was very upset that I didn't specifically <laughs> say Green Goblin III. Um, right. He felt that the, that skewed the voting. Uh, I disagree. Uh, I, I think I could have put uh, John Jacob Jingleheimer Schmidt and put the picture that I chose for Bart Hamilton there. And he was going to win on facial recognition alone. Uh, as though in that comic from like the seventies, he's drawn like a young Steve Buscemi, uh, and Bart Hamilton advances. Yay. The good guys win. And by the good guys, I mean, Spider-Man villains. Yeah. (laughs) So Todd, it's your pick this week. It is a bat versus bat matchup. Right. Um, the two characters this week are both, um, the made of wood killer, Two, don't want to mistake him with the Maid of Wood Killer, one, and also Mr. Camera. Uh, basically, uh, the Maid of Wood Killer, two, was a guy who found his grandfather's bat, who uh, it was the Sportsmaster's bat, and uh, the grandfather had like avenged something with it, but never got caught, and he left it in his notes. And then the Maid of Wood Killer, two, who was just this guy in a schlubby shirt and a trucker's cap, found the diary and decided he wanted to be a supervillain too. So he took uh, the sportsmaster's bat and went out and just gave people the, you cannobbled them in the head to kill them. So he was just walking around with a baseball bat, killing people. Basically that was his whole gimmick. 
And the other one was Mr. Camera, the man who had a camera on his head. Um, it maybe worked. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but his thing was he was going to get, he was stealing rare camera-related items. And he was going to get a picture of the bat without his cowl and he had, so he could prove who he was. And he got that picture, Joe. But Mr. Camera had all the settings wrong on his camera. So it was overexposed. So Mr. Camera and his whole thing was cameras didn't know how to work a camera. I'm doing hard air quotes as I say these. And uh, so both of them are really, really, really bad. Um, but they're equally bad in my opinion. So I think in the time-honored tradition of what you try to do, I think we should make it a tie and move both of them on to the next round. Hmm. I tried to do that with my Spider-Man people, and you told me, no, we couldn't do that. Well, you know what? Sometimes I realize how good your ideas are, right. and we should use it now. <laughs> but not if you do the same thing again. We'll we'll veto it that time. Gotcha. Um, who am I going to back in this? I'm not sure. I want to see who you're going to back. See, I, Mr. Camera is a one-note, one-off gimmick 50s villain who can't even get his own gimmick right. Right. But Made of Wood Killer 2 is just a guy with a bat. Right. And the fact that he names himself the Made of Wood Killer 2. Right. Because, and, like, he's, so he's related to the Made of Wood Killer... But yes. he steals the sportsmaster's bat. What happened was uh, the original Maid of Wood Killer was looking up to the heroes, and Green Lantern was fighting Sportsmaster, and Sportsmaster threw a grenade at, or like an exploding baseball at Green Lantern, and it landed in the in the the storefront and blew this guy's storefront up. So he he begrudged the heroes after that, and he found one of Sportsmaster's bats. And killed the people who maybe didn't give him his insurance money or whatever. It was like a revenge thing. And then he never got caught, put the bat away. And the kid, the grandkid found it years later and went like, well, the, you know, I want to be just like my grandfather. And he was just running out and killing randos with the bat. So it's pretty bad. I'm going made of wood killer too, as my pick. He might be a round. dark horse favorite, man, to win it all. Yeah, because, again, I think there's a little bit, and again, not to say that there's meat on the boat of either of these jamokes. <laughs> right. Um, but I feel as though uh, Made of Wood Killer 2 is more convoluted and, like, open to interpretation. Right, you know? all around very, like, very, like, weak. Yeah, like... Uh, Mr. Camera is just like, what about if it's a guy with a head for a camera? All right, write it up, you know? Yeah. Not a, like a thought and effort were put into Made of Wood Killer 2. Right. I really hope Made of Wood Killer 2 uh, goes the distance. Yeah. Well, we shall see. That'll be up to you, the listeners, to vote to see who moves on to the next, what have you, right? Right. Um, I think we're six weeks into the football season, so I don't think you can really make your picks. Uh, Todd does send out a reminder on Thursday, so if you're forgetting about your Thursday games, that's on you, pal. Yep, I do. I even put a little, like, week whatever out there. Mm -hmm. 
I realized you could schedule tweets from, um, like, it used to be the only way that you could schedule tweets is if you had one of those off-brand Twitter apps, you know? Right, or you paid for the business Twitter account. Yeah, but you could just, like, right off the browser. I don't know if you could do it on the app. Who looks at Twitter on their app like a loser? Um, <laughs> Let me just get that big L on my forehead. That's right. But you, you could think schedule I'm... the tweet so you could just even set it up so it's like every week that Thursday tweet goes out, you know? Right. I'm I'm a loser. I'm like the Cleveland uh, Guardians. But anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, if I was a way to do that. Remember back in the day when you could text a tweet? Yeah, and I have the I have the ability to schedule a text. What is so it? Four zero four zero four was the text, right? And then it would be like you had to hook your account up. Some I don't know. It would like know your number. Yeah, look at me remembering four zero four zero four was the uh, gimmick for uh, Twitter, right? Um, anywho, um, I'm currently in thirty third place again, dropping more steadily. Mm-hmm. I'm the uh, Raul the Line Mendoza of this whole thing. If you're below me, then maybe you should question whether or not you know anything about football. Uh, Todd, second week in a row at seventh place. Yeah, I'm climbing though. I'm 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 three uh, points away from number one. So, mm-hmm. so it's still anyone's literal ball game. Ooh, I like the way you put that. Yes. And uh, hey, Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did. We only had one, Joe, and it was uh, the handsomest man to send in art attacks, and that would be me. Um, I sent in my Jonah Hex sketch by Ivan Hayes. Um, I got it at New York Comic Con, and his line was ridiculously short, so it was a no-brainer. He was doing uh, two different price sketches, and I opted for the more expensive one. Um, I did have to supply reference because he has never drawn Jonah. But I got a Jonah Hex from him, and he was, like, kind of happy. He's like, oh, you know, I've drawn, like, you know, like, Black Lanterns and Sinestros and Green Lanterns and blah, blah, blah. But I've never done Jonah Hex. I want to give it a whirl. And he ended up doing it, and I really like it. And like I said, uh, the guy whose house you want to rob for art was in line to get a sketch. And I was like, oh, it's probably going to be so long. I go over to talk to him, and I'm like, oh, let me talk. And there was a couple of people behind him, but they only wanted signatures. So his handler was like, if you just want signatures, you get fast passed. You know what I mean? So he's going to do a little bit of a sketch, sign some stuff, a little bit of a sketch. So in the end, I was just standing behind Josh. And I'm like, so it's just me, then you, then two guys in front of you. And he's like, yeah, that's all it is. I'm like, I got nowhere to be. I'll wait in line. And uh, behold, I added another piece to my, uh, uh, you know, Hall of Hex. So this is a great sketch. Um, you know, obviously we're getting more of Jonah's good side as opposed to his bad side of the sketch. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously an artistic decision, I'm sure. A lot of times most people are going to draw him, so you see that snarl and you see the messed up eye. Uh, but I like the shadow on the right-hand side. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's like, you know, the, the knight at Jonah's back or he's up against a wall and that's the shadow of his head up against the wall or whatever it is. I really like this sketch. Uh, again, I, I don't think I've seen any of your Jonah sketches, uh, come across as not looking to be fantastic, you know? Right. Everybody loves Jonah. So yes. Uh, not that one Jonah, but anyway, yeah, <laughs> this Jonah is okay. Uh, so, uh, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, be sure to check out our store. Uh, you get shirts and pins and stickers, 
uh, with our fancy logo on them, uh, printed by our good friends at the LVAC, who are running a wrestling show this Friday. Ooh, I heard any of those shirts or pins or stickers, just give me a line. I'll, you know, give them to you at cut rate prices, no shipping, that sort of thing, you know? Right. Uh, if you want more designs inspired by this show, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, Add Outs with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Plays, Hit My Music, on uh, anything from cell phone covers to notebooks, uh, you can head over to our T Public store. There's no sale this week. 35% off sale is next week, so we'll give you another reminder then. I'm just saying we are getting closer and closer to fish math season. It's yeah. uh, less than five weeks away, I think. Right, and you have to explain it to your son, the fish That's math right. miracle. I will have to explain the fish math miracle to him. Uh, you can sign up for our Patreon. As little as a dollar a month, you're going to get two bonus shows from Todd and I. One is Piero Mounties looking at the film history of independent filmmaker Mark Piero. The other previewing the past where we look at 30 years ago, this month's previews catalog. Uh, October 1992 is going to be rolling out for everyone this Friday, whether you're at the uh, dollar level or the $5 level. $5 level folks uh, already have it, of course. Um, you could also get those scans of those previews catalogs. High quality, professionally done all the catalogs for 91 and 92 for sure, and most of 90. I think, like, I didn't do, like, uh, January, February, and March. If you really want them, I'll send them to you. Just let me know if you're on the Patreon, right? Right. Uh, and also at the $5 level, besides getting the podcasts uh, two weeks before everyone else, you're going to get After Dark two days before everyone else. So you can listen to these shows in the correct listening order. And last but not least, if you want to help us out, you can make any and all of your purchases through our Amazon affiliate link. Does not cost you anything extra. It's the banner at the top of the page at longboxheroes.com and in the show notes to every single one of these episodes, no matter where it is that you get the episodes. Um, like I said, does not cost you anything extra. They, Amazon, call it an advertising fee because if it was not for us, you would not know that they exist. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases through the Amazon click-through this past week include, it is getting to be spooky season. Uh, so somebody did purchase the complete box set DVDs of both uh, the 90s, Tales from the Dark Side, and the Friday the 13th TV series. That kind of sort of ties into what we're talking about in After Dark this week, right? Right. And by the way, two shows that I absolutely loved. Really? Yes. I loved Tales from the Dark Side. And uh, Friday the 13th. I would, well, let's just say I think Robey was the face of Friday the 13th, the series. The face? The face. But I actually did really, did really like that. And I liked, I just, I thought they were, they were good horror because they were on TV. I didn't have to worry about any icky gore making me queasy and whatnot. So sure. it was right up Todd's alley. It was horrific enough for Todd, but probably not enough for most true horror fans. And, uh, you know, I, I was one of those people. I'm like, eh, it's Friday the 13th and Jason's not in it. It stinks. Right. No, that was, what do you think? This is Halloween 3? Right. Uh, somebody also purchased the uh, Cloverfield 3 movie collection. And uh, this is how I found out there was a third Cloverfield movie. Uh, okay. So there was there was a Cloverfield movie, which was amazing. It's Godzilla done right. Um then there was a Cloverfield 2, which was really good. Uh, and it doesn't really tie in to the first movie, but it's like a it's got uh who's the guy who was the husband on Roseanne? 
John um, Goodman. John Goodman, he has a bunker, and maybe aliens show up, maybe there's a gas attack from another country, and he ends up bringing in a woman to his bunker, and there's another guy, and things get evil, and maybe it is aliens, maybe it is great, great movie. Don't know why they called it. They called it uh, 13 Cloverfield Lane. Um, so it really never thing. Then the third movie was uh, the Cloverfield whatever. And it was like surprise dropped on Netflix. Like they announced it during the Super Bowl. And oh, it was like, that's this one. Yes. The third one was just like, hey, we have this Cloverfield movie. It's going to be on Netflix tomorrow and it blew up Netflix but what it was was a movie that they had and they didn't like and they like cut it to pieces and re-edited it and ended up making it a Cloverfield movie because it's about a uh, a space station and like things go wrong and there's maybe it's alternate universes and the, the other universe that it's involved with is the Cloverfield one that was in the first movie. And then there's a Cloverfield monster in it for like half a second. It's really bad. It doesn't make any sense, but I watched it. And if they slap Cloverfield on another movie, I'm going to watch it. I got to start printing up some fake DVD covers to get you to watch pieces. <laughs> right, here's, Cloverfield here's... pieces. Ooh, can we watch that now, Joe? No, we have to finish the podcast, Todd, unfortunately. Oh, well. Uh, somebody also purchased uh, Track Phone Motorola Moto G Pure. And they also purchased a uh, fancy case for that with uh, screen protectors, right? Right. That sounds like a. Uh, like what do you call it a burner phone for somebody purging Funkos hmm who knows they could be up to anything you know mm -hmm. now again typically I don't read the full descriptions on things but I am going to hear for this one uh, somebody purchased a Transformers Toy Studio Series Core Class The The Movie Autobot Ratchet Action Figure ages 8 and up 3 and a half inches okay I'm only reading that because The The is in there twice Right, I remember that band, the the. I remember Mister Mister, and that's about it. Right, any band that has one word twice, like Mocha Mocha or something like that, would be fantastic. But anyway, <laughs> um, uh, also we have comics that people purchase as they hook up their uh, comicsology through Amazon. Um, and here are some of those purchases: Elseworlds, Batman Volume Two, uh, Amazing Spider-Man Number Eleven. Star Wars 28, The Modern Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 133, Batman vs. Robin both 1 and 2, The Jurassic League number 6, and Seven Sons number 5. Thank you again for all those comic book purchases. Yeah, like I said, if somebody wants to put together or link up a tutorial video of uh, how to connect your Comixology account uh, specifically to our uh, Amazon affiliate link, we'd greatly appreciate it. Yep. So I guess now uh, I think that covers everything else. So it's time to get into uh, TV talk from the last week, huh? Yes. So I'm going to ask you, Todd, uh, you know, obviously She-Hulk was the finale. Do you want to start with that? Do you want to end with that? How do you want to handle that? I think we should start with She-Hulk. That was like the big one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So episode nine, uh, the She-Hulk finale. Um. So, you know, the, the show has been kind of sort of meta throughout, right? Right. 
And uh, this is where it gets so meta, it's like double meta, I guess. Oh, I think it might even be triple meta. Right. Uh, So I know they do the opening and they try to match it up shot for shot as close as they can to the original TV show from the 70s, which I thought was hilarious. That was great. Right. Um, And... Uh, so Jen, because of her freak out, she ends up getting an, an, an inhibitor bracelet put on her so that she can no longer become the She-Hulk, right? Right. Uh, so since she can no longer become the She-Hulk, she loses her job at the law office. So she has to clean out her office. She has to give up her apartment because now the She-Hulk is a menace and she's being hounded by reporters and neighbors. So she moves back in with her family um while she's in the room with her family she's like you know saying like uh like she shoes off the narrator i think is that what Mm. happens yeah and then she's trying to text people and her texts aren't going through and i thought her text not going through was going to be like a bigger thing right right um and it ended up just being like uh, you know her texts aren't going through right uh so while this is going on uh nikki and pog are doing investigation stuff in regards to the intelligentsia people. Nikki was helping uh, Jen move into her parents' house. Like any good parents, they're embarrassing Jen, specifically with a video of Jen and her friends, like, dancing or something while they're in college. Uh, So the mom sends Nikki the video. Nikki puts the video up on the intelligentsia site. And immediately they, they reach out to her thinking she's a dude bro like them and invite her to their get together. So she's going to go. But then she yeah. figures out, she's like, wait a minute. They think I'm a guy. I can't go. So I got to send Pog. He's got the 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 AirPod in, right? Mm-hmm. So it turns out that uh, Todd Phelps, uh, one of the creeps that Jen went on a date with, um, who had purchased like the, the like was the ep- like last episode of the episode before where he was talking about he had purchased, like, the Wakandan spear, and he was kind of being, like, real creepy to her again. Right, and being, like, you know, insensitive to things, but yeah. Right. Uh, So uh, Todd Phelps is there. Turns out he's the one behind the intelligentsia. Their whole thing is, like, Jen doesn't deserve her powers. She got her powers because of an accident, not realizing that, like, everybody in the Marvel Universe essentially gets their powers because of an accident, right? Right, but it was nepotism because she's related to the Hulk. Yeah, well, that's Nikki feeding that stuff to Pog, right? Right, right. So then, all of a sudden, uh, so while this is going on, uh, Jen is like, you know what? I'm going to take Emil up on his thing. I'm going to go to his retreat uh, just to kind of get away from everything. And Emil's nowhere to be found. But, like, everybody else is there, so she's putzing around. And it turns out that this meeting that Todd put together for the intelligentsia people is taking place at Emil's what have you, because Emil, as the abomination, is there to give an inspirational speech to this group, unfortunately oblivious to how evil this group really is. Jen shows up. Uh, Todd had had one of the guys, that Justin guy, steal some of Jen's blood. He, they were able to synthesize the Hulk serum so that he could turn himself into a Hulk. As they're about to fight, Bruce shows up, and then that's when things really go off the rails. Right, and Titania shows up. And Titania shows up as well, right? Yep. 
So Jen is like, no, 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 wait a minute. This can't be how my show ends. What's what's going on? Like this, this like this doesn't feel right. So then all of a sudden the show goes to the menu. Which freaked me out. Okay. For a and, second. I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I don't watch in full screen, so it didn't get me too, too bad. Uh, but I'm with you. I'm with you. So it goes back to the menu, and then the She-Hulk thing punches out. She-Hulk comes through the menu, and she goes in. What was the show that she goes into? It was the Marvel Studios Assembled, which explains is like the behind the scenes of all the stuff. Right. So she goes in through there. So now Jen is fully broken the fourth wall, literally the menu of the show, menu of Disney+. Plus. She's in the real world, and she goes into the writer's room of the show. And she kind of chastises them of how lazy and thrown together the season finale is. And they say, well, unfortunately, like, you know, we're the writers, but this is what Kevin wants. And she goes, well, who's Kevin? And they're like, well, no one sees Kevin. And, you know, they're tipping their hand that it's probably Kevin Feige, right? Right. And I would just like to say, <laughs> if if you watch the show with the subtitles on, yeah, they blow the gag at this point. It's it's oh. K period E. Oh yeah, period. yeah yeah yeah. So I'm like you know ooh like I kind of saw something coming at that point. Joe. Yeah yeah yeah. So uh, so actually so what I thought was because I do watch everything with subtitles, um you know, and they do the K period E period blah blah blah, and I'm thinking to myself I'm like ah okay maybe that's like a you know I don't think it's gonna be Kevin Feige. But, like, it might be, like, a Wizard of Oz thing where it is what we end up seeing, but it is Kevin Feige behind it. Right. And I get it's a kind saying. of a further rib on, like, how unoriginal these things might be. That, like, Kevin Feige creates this Wizard of Oz, like, creation thing that dictates the entire Marvel Universe. And the best name that he could come up with it is his own name. Right. Um, but that's not what it turns out to be. She goes to the uh, she goes to the office where Kevin is. Security tries to stop her. She goes in, and then that's when we meet. And they made her sign like a big long NDA as well before she goes in, right? Which is like huge for anything you do at Marvel, right? Um, so she goes in, and Kevin is just like this robotic operating thing, and Kevin stands for no in known enhancement visual. Intercommunicativity nexus. Right. So she kind of reads Kevin the Riot Act on how so many of the Marvel stories and origins um, are just a derivative of the Super Soldier Serum. How so many of the Marvel origin things are daddy issues, whether it's the same daddy or multiple daddies. Everything's all daddy issues. And she wants something different. She wants something better for her show. Uh, so she, she kind of dictates to Kevin of how she wants her show to end and she gets the ending that she wants, at least for this season. Right. But she, she does get to ask him when the X-Men are going to show up, <laughs> which that popped me that she looks in the camera and gives the big thumbs up with the smile, which is the actress who plays Jen's like, like best, like attribute. Right. That's, the, that's what makes her such a charming character. Right. It's so realistic joy that she does. But go ahead, sorry. So she ends up getting another rendezvous with rendezvous with Daredevil. They go to the parents' house for the 
um, for the barbecue. And that's where Bruce shows up. Because right before Jen kind of puts the kibosh in the ending, uh, Bruce says, I just came from outer space and I have something important to tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though Jen gets the ending that she desired, uh, Bruce still gets to introduce us uh, from the planet Sakar that he was on, his son, also named Sakar. I thought it was just Scar, S-K-A-R. Um, I think it is, but, oh, that's right, the planet is Scar, S-K-R, it's S-K-A-R-R, and then the kid is Scar. Yes, yes. Right, yes. And then an after credit scene, uh, because uh, the abomination, you know, she's like, oh, he has to, like, because he took, he changed. He has to take his penance. So he's like, "Yes, I did it. I, I, I confess." And he goes back to prison. But then Wong breaks him out at the end to go to Comitage, where they have Wi-Fi. And it, Wong was a little late getting there because he got wrapped up in another TV show. Yes, a uh, couple of things that I really liked about this that I just want to say. Um, the bit, like you said, with the beginning, it's the old T- Hulk TV show. You know the video that they use to enrage the intelligentsia is uh, Jen dancing? The fact that she was twerking, which was like with uh, Megan the Stallion was twerking. It set everybody off. So that's very meta. Uh, I do like the fact that, uh, that uh, Ke- the Kevin stuff was absolutely amazing that whole bit behind the scenes i'm trying to think of what else i said two two small things that i didn't like one was uh i thought scar kind of looked weak uh like the 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 effects or whatever like it was like how he wasn't really finished and then like blonsky uh kind of confesses but then he's like i'm gonna escape anyway like like a lot of that didn't make sense to me um, I really liked one last thing. I really liked that uh, Kevin kept saying that, like, change out of She-Hulk into Jen off camera when we're off camera, like, because it costs too much. I'm like, this is all great. But the thing that sticks in my craw, Joe, that is from this show and from the boys and from movies all the way back to trading places is that the evil dirtbag, like, entitled jerk is always named Todd. And I'm tired <laughs> of it. I am tired of my name being drugged through the mud. That Like, I know I'm handsome, and I know I have money, but I don't think I'm an entitled dirtbag. So I just, I would you please stop it, Hollywood? Give Todd's a break. I don't think there's... Anything that's that Hollywood's been harder on in the past decade than people named Todd. <laughs> that's my gripe, Joe. I'm sorry. Had to get it out. I think you might have a uh, class action lawsuit against Hollywood and pop culture. <laughs> uh, you and anyone named Karen, I think. You know what? Todd's and Karen's. Let's unite. Right. Bring down, you know, the besmirchers, if you will. The besmirchers. <laughs> Good luck with that, Todd. Yeah, I'm on it. I'm gonna, I'll let you know how it goes. I'm sure it's going to go great. Swimmingly. Uh, but all in all, I really enjoyed this show. Um, you know, a definite, fun, different take uh, on what these superhero shows can be. And uh, again, hopefully this like kind of bears out for the future that we can get something 
a little bit different, a little bit more unique, a little bit something um, out of like these TV properties, you know? I'm with you. I break the formula, like she says. And I think we're going to get that because we had Werewolf by Night and it was something different. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and, and, and WandaVision, even though they, you know, with issues or whatever it was, that was different. I, I think at least with the TV shows, we get different flavors way more than the movies. So we'll for see. For sure. I, I will see. Except for that Doctor Strange, which was very different. So we'll see. I'm done. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to go to you and let you, um, if you want to, and again, if this is um, Andor, do you want to take Andor? Sure. Because Andor is actually like, you know, pretty straightforward this week because we've been leading up to the, you know, the, the, the robbery of the garrison for the, the payroll. And this is really just that um, where they're on their way and they're, you know, they're dressed up as the soldiers, the empire uh, sold officers. And they go and the people on the planet are coming to see the eye thing with the, the big uh, celestial event. So, um, and we get to see the Imperials, like how dirt bag they are, where they're like, okay, we had, you, we used to have tens of thousands of people coming up here, but like the way they kind of moved people away and the people that would come back, they're like, oh, we set up like bars, like set up the uh, pop-up bars along the way. And now we're down to like less than a hundred and they don't care about any of the like culture of these backwater people to them and they smell and everything. So I well, thought get, seeing not to interrupt, we get the, the bit with a uh, commandant J hold or whatever his name is. Right. Right. Where he's like, Oh, this is what we're going to do. And this is how we're going to treat these people. And then when he actually goes up to them, he's like trying to give them all this phony gravitas mm-hmm. and these people that he thinks are so below him and beneath him, they immediately see right through the facade. Right, because when they trade the pelts, he throws it in the fire. Right. Was fantastic. So all of that, and we see, like, the dirtbag. Don't they say that they're fox pelts or something? Some animal pelts, yes. I wish, like, they looked like it, and I wish they said that they were Wookiee pelts. Then that would make, if uh, people traded Wookiee pelts, that would make the the people on the planet bad people, because Wookiees are good. Well, no, no, no. That's what the Empire gives them because the Empire is bad. Right. But I thought they gave them pelts back to the Empire. They right, but trade. they give them something else. They're like, okay. The Empire's given them Wookiee pelts and the good people are giving them good animal pelts. I got you. See, I got what you're saying now. Right. Um, but that goes on. And I like to see like the Commandant's like, this is going to get me off this planet faster. Everybody, you know, do their part and we'll get out of this. Um, while that's going on, like they, they march and, uh, I, uh, the one woman, I can't think of her name. She's like, they have to, they have to, uh, scramble the signal so they could do whatever they're going to do. And she seems very reluctant. Uh, Val, the the leader of the group, if you will. Right. She seems reluctant to do any of it. And honestly, I think by her stalling, it kind of like it, it, it screwed up the mission. If she had done it faster, they might've got out of there later as we get to it. So Andor and them all go in. And as the events going on above in the sky, they, they get in and they start using the, the empire guys and the, the commandant, they kidnap them and say, we won't kill your family. If you just do what we're saying, they go down into the thing and they start loading all the money onto the ship. 
Um, somebody notices that the thing's being scrambled. So they go and they look and they're like, okay, well, we better go check on the garrison. So they send a group down. And in the middle of the, uh, the robbery, the Empire shows up and they get in a firefight. We lose a couple of members in the firefight. Uh, Andor ends up killing a guy because, you know, he's he gets into the ship. They end up getting as much money as they can on the thing. Commandant has a heart attack, which I was like, well, okay. Um, so they end up, like, escaping on the ship. A few of them kind of get in. And Temek, I think his name, Nemec was his name. Um, because they didn't strap down the load, he ends up getting crushed by all the money. And he can't feel his legs, but he's the one who has the device that tells him how to go in through the meteorites or whatever. So they get chased by TIE fighters and they end up getting away because the TIE fighters explode. Um, And they go, okay, what do we do? Do we take the money back? And he's like, there's a plan. Uh, I can't think of the guy's name. He says, uh, Skeen, he says, we have a plan. If something goes wrong, we have a doctor. But Vel's like, we can't do it. We have to go take the money. And Andor's like, the kid, we're, we're saving the kid. So they go to the doctor. The doctor's got an alien forearm thing, and he's working on him. And Val's watching. And Skeen and Andor are outside, and Skeen's like, that's a lot of money. That's $80 million in credits. He's like, yeah, and he's basically giving the hand. He's like, let's split it and run. And he's like, and we could we could hide. And he's like, well, what about me? He's like, 40 million credits is enough to make me forget you. And he's like, well, what about them? We just abandon them and we get out of here. And he's like trying to talk him into it. Andor just pulls the pistol and shoots him. He's like, like I, I've had enough of this. Either in my mind, he knows what he's going to do and he can't trust them. And, uh, you know, he kind of just does it. And he goes in and, and Vel's like, oh, crap, you're going to kill us. And uh, Nemec dies and the doctor thinks he's going to get shot. And he's like, no, no, no taking your ship and I'm taking my credits. I'm taking what I was offered. And he has his gem back and he's like, I'm leaving. And in all this, that's kind of like how it ends. But then the news of the garrison being robbed gets out and we see all the other characters that we know get, well, pretty much all of them, how they get the information that the rebel, the rebellion has started, as far as I'm concerned, that things are happening and, you know, people are standing up to the empire. And in my mind, like full swing rebellion, here we go. Um, I like this uh, episode. Oh, and he and Andor gets Nemec's uh, manifesto, which I think is cool. I want to see where that goes. Uh, all around, I thought this was an exciting episode. And I really, really dug, like if people were looking for action, this is where it was. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I'll get my nitpick out of the way. Um, the effect on the medic doctor, whatever, with having the forearms, mm-hmm. a little suspect. Huh? Yes, but he was forearmed and forewarned, Joe. Mm, well, again, listen, he didn't get the books right this week, so uh, <laughs> I'll let him slide. So uh, this was a lot of little moments mm-hmm. um, that really made me like jump. In, like, a good way. Like, that really, uh, like, took me by surprise or whatever. Like, when the big, like, roll of credits, like, just goes flying and, like, goes crashing into Nemec. Like, I gasped. Like, that was crazy. That was a crazy scene, right? 
Right. And then the fact that I thought they were going to take him to this doctor and they were going to put him in a back to tank and give him robot legs and he was going to live like everybody else does in the Star Wars universe. Right. And that's the thing. So Skeen was like, oh, we should save him. Vel's like, oh, he's done for. And then Andor is like, no, give me the fight. Give me the flight plan. We're taking him to the doctor, you know? Mm hmm. Um, it also, so uh, like all these like little things with all of our rebellion characters, you know, we have that bit where Vel hesitates in regards to setting up the block or the jammer for their communication thing. We get right. that moment where, uh, uh, even Nemec hesitates before they're about to go into the room with the, uh, commandant. Right. Right. And the fact that we come out of this. And like even during the like whatever like when they're 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 pinned down and they're loading up the freighter with all the credits, and that one guy Terraman who used to be like a stormtrooper whatever it was we find out here. Uh, he's like cover me I'm going for it, and they cover him and he goes for it and he don't make it. Right, he don't get five steps before right. he gets gunned down. Right, and I what I liked about this was. So, uh, who's our lead guy who runs the antique shop? What's his name? Ral. Right. So, he hears the news of this, right? And he goes back in his room, and he's, like, delighted that, like, this went off, but obviously did not go off without a hitch. And I like how he put this group together of all these different people to kind of get the rebellion started, I guess. Mm -hmm. And how these people weren't ready. Right. Or like it was Mission Impossible, like Suicide Squad kind of a deal. But right. Where he knew like he knew there were going to be casualties. They probably thought there was going to be casualties. But the fact that Ant, uh, Andor is the one that kind of comes out like he was the most reluctant up front to be involved with all this. Right. He's the one that kind of ends up taking charge. Um, Like I said, I really like this episode a lot. Um. I'm okay now after six episodes where I'm like, oh, these rebellion people aren't really doing it for me. And like half of them are dead anyway. So I'm like, great. Right. The only thing I will say is, you know how you're saying Ral doesn't know that the mission didn't go went sideways, though. Because, well, he knows. The, so he knows the mission happened and it was successful. That right, they got I'm, away with I'm the money. Yes, he knew a lot of them weren't making it out. I do too, but he laughs because, like I said, he just gets the information. The guy was like, oh, did you hear about that robbery? Blah, blah, blah. Do you have anything from this planet? I want it because of the, the money robbery. And he's like, oh, okay. And he just walks in and laughs. I honestly don't think he like has any idea. I know what you're saying. Like I think he thought maybe somebody might die, but I don't think he realizes that he lost the whole team but three. You know what I mean? Right. I think that me that message might come later, but I do think we're gonna get a time jump after this. Yeah, because I think what we got three more episodes this season. No, we have a whole bunch because there's. Oh, like, okay. There's. I want to say there's this season. There's twelve, so we're ha at the halfway mark, Joe. Oh yeah, look at that. There you go. Right, and they said that the, it was only supposed to be two seasons. We may have talked about this. I don't remember if I if we did that. The there's going to be two seasons and a whole two seasons are going to take us right up to the beginning of rogue one, which is five years. So I'm guessing we're going to get two and a half years mm -hmm. in the first season, maybe and two and a half seasons or two and a half years in the second season or two in one and three in the other. You know what I mean? Right. And the only other last thing that I'm going to mention here about this, and I did like this episode a lot and I like that, you know, we're where we need to be with the series. Um, 
before whatever proposed time jump there might be with episode seven that comes out this week. So many people, I think, were hoping that Rogue One was going to be what this episode was. Hmm. Interesting, because I stand by Rogue One is in my top three Star Wars movies of all time. I stand by it, too. But the people that don't like it were like, it was just more of the same. They could have done, and they would always say, like, an Ocean Eleven's type heist. Mm-hmm. Or, like, we need, like, essentially, uh, they, it was one of those things where they had built it up in their mind. They're like, oh, this is going to be the story of how they get the Death Star plans. And it kind of sort of is, but it's, like, really nothing new. And I think right. if we had, like, something that was more like this episode as Rogue One, I think more people would like Rogue One. And I'm with you. I love Rogue One. I thought Rogue One was awesome. But we are in the minority when it comes to that. Rogue One is one of the more reviled uh, films in the franchise by a lot of people. Is it really? Not trying to be funny. I thought, Yeah. I honestly, because I know a lot of people don't have love for the new Star Wars stuff. Right. Like TV stuff. Um, but I honestly thought, I was like, I always thought that it was, I don't know, like 50-50 fitty, fitty at best. Um, Solo is kind of 50-50. Um, but like episode eight is probably the most reviled. And then this. Really? I would, I would. And by this, I mean Rogue One. No, I get you. I always thought nine would have been the most reviled, but I get what you're saying. A lot Uh, of people didn't. Nine gets like a little bit more of a pass only because, uh, people are like, well, they tried to fix what was broken in eight. And um, they don't Fisher. do a great job of it, but, you know, what they were given was, like, a broken thing, and it's like, all right, here, fix this, you know? Right, and they were going to have a bigger role for Carrie Fisher, which yeah. would have, like, fi- not fixed the movie, but it would have worked more, you know what I mean? And then right. she's, like, passed away, and we're like, we have to use archive footage, and it's like, ugh, it just didn't work. I see, and I actually, I actually and don't it- think this 8 is bad. I like 8, except for the... Except for the 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 side mission with uh, trying to find the code breaker, that movie's pretty solid. Yeah, the casino the casino scene is uh, yeah uh, not the best, and I think um, the casino scene and specifically people's disdain for whatever reason for Rose, then her role gets downplayed in nine. Oh, most definitely. But yeah. like I and and I'll I'll go out I'll take the arrows if I get I I didn't I didn't care for Rose's character but I thought it was because it was a terrible side plot yeah you know what I mean like people it was att- less her and more the story that she it, was in you, right what she was giving it's it's like me saying I don't like the actress who plays the 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 thirteenth Doctor I'm like I didn't like the scripts you yeah. know but you know a lot of people were pretty harsh in bad ways if you know what i mean but whatever i could sit here and and you know uh talk about star wars what was good what was bad but what speaking of stars maybe star girl right okay uh so this is uh episode six uh the betrayal right Mm -hmm. and i think um we have uh this is the one so yeah we have three more episodes left of this right uh, after um, this uh, this episode that we're going to talk about here, right? I'm going to say we do. That's what is on all the sites like Wikipedia yeah. and 
IMDb, but every other season was 13 episodes. So you know how sometimes we don't see them until they yeah. show up on. So we might be nine, we might be 13. That's all I'm going to say. Right. That's why I was thinking with Andor because the other day when I looked, they only had like dummy, um, like episode description will be added later up to episode nine. And mm-hmm. then I just checked it today and it's up to 12. Anyway. Right. Um, so everybody's got a little subplot going on in this, um, whether it be Beth, um, really working hard to cut her parents out of what's involved, um, you know, because they're getting a little too close to what she's doing. Uh, Rick testing out the limits of what he could do with the inhibitor taken off the hourglass thing. Um, Mike and Jakeem doing one last push to get Cindy to join the young all-stars. <laughs> uh, Yolanda and Cindy having their dust up and scrape. But, uh, the crux, the main plot of this episode is the Courtney and Icicle stuff. Right. Um, and I like the bit where uh, uh, Barb and Luke Wilson go to the grandparents. That was intense, yes. That was a, that was a great scene. And then uh, Courtney and Icicle show up. And, you know, they all come to the agreement of as long as the kids are happy begrudgingly. But I don't know how much everyone really believes that or buys into that. Right. Right. I do like the grandfathers kind of like we have to we have to at least kayfabe this. Yes. And the grandmother wanted none of it. Right. She was shocked when uh, they served them the loot fisk mm-hmm. that it wasn't poisoned. Yep. She just assumed, oh, you're poisoning them to kill them right now, right? <laughs> right. He's like, nope. Nope. Um, but then we get the bit at the end where with the battle with Cindy and Yolanda, this is where it's revealed that Cindy has the um, the laptop. Yolanda had stolen it, given it to Beth. Beth does the encryption on it. Um, they try to put it back into Cindy's room. They have this dust up. And I really like that fight scene uh, between the two of them while they were in the room. Right. When it got outside, you didn't like it? No, it got outside. It got a little bit. Uh, you started to see some of the wires, if you will. Right. You know what? You I, and I don't care. I will. I will be, you know, Todd about this. The scene when they're out in the thing and the van drops in. I was like, yeah. what's going on here? Yeah. The van just comes out of nowhere. And then I actually thought our man jumping in behind it looked really cool. It looked okay. It looked really cool. Okay. And that's a hill I'm willing to die on, so let's move on. All right. Uh, so Cindy reveals that she took the laptop. She did not kill the gambler, but she took it because she knew that the gambler would have had information about her dad trying to find more of his lab so she, Cindy, could stop whatever is going on to her from the experiments that her dad did to her. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's also at this point where everyone uh, turns to Courtney and says, Jacuzzi, and say, all of this happened because of you, and you haven't been around because you've been too busy teaching the icicle how to use his powers. Yep. And to which I say, what's the big deal? Isn't this season about forgiveness? Isn't this season about turning the other cheek? And yes, Courtney's in love with the boy and the boy's in love with her. And maybe she might be making a mistake. 
but I feel as though this was blown up by the rest of them. And they're teenagers, they're kids, it's supposed to be blown up, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel as though they made a much bigger deal out of Courtney helping Icicle attempt to use his powers, hopefully for good, um, than everyone else did. The best scene in this show, though, as good as the uh, um, Barb and Luke Wilson and the grandparents scene was, is when Mike and Jakeem went to Zeke. Uh, to ask for advice on how to sway Cindy to their side, and he mistook it that they were looking for love advice. Mm-hmm. And he gets a monologue that I hope they show when he gets nominated for an Emmy for his performance <laughs> in the show. Right, and, you know, in the role of Zeke, <laughs> wins the Emmy. But, yeah, um, see, I'm a little different on the lying bit um, because what it what it was was, and I even like Jakeem, when Jakeem and Mike are going to Cindy's house with the flowers and the candy, Jakeem's like, why, you know, we should just be honest. We should do this. We should be go behind their back. And he says it, he lays it right out. He's like, everybody said at the beginning of the season, we should be together and not like hide things from each other. That was the whole, like the whole point of forgiveness and being you know open about it and he's like and i'm like that's what the problem with this is when they go it's like all right you haven't been around courtney you've you know you've been helping cameron which is fine but then you didn't tell us about his powers and and you know you're lying and cindy's lying and everybody's lying and that's what ripping ripping them apart it almost comes it almost becomes too cw at that point yes Um, but i get it um, and I'm willing to let it go. But once again, these shows at this point, Stargirl, like last, has too, is trying to serve too many masters and it's serving none. When they have all these plot lines going on at the same time, somebody has to get an A plot. Everybody can't have a D plot. It's That's the problem with me in this show right now. It's like focus on one thing and then dabble in the others. But it just seems very directionless at this point. Um. I think they're trying to get it back on track for the finale where everyone gets on the same page. Right. And um, then, go ahead. Go, no, no, go ahead. And then the mysterious person that everybody thinks is the Dragon King. Yes. Is watching them all putting a, a puzzle together. Yes. Of a skull. I'm so you think it's Mr. Bones, maybe? I think it's Mr. Bones. So, right, and then we get the bit where Beth, when she has the encrypted stuff copied onto her laptop, that's where she gets to see all the surveillance cameras that he has all around the city. Mm-hmm. And then she has that good bit where she goes into uh, Courtney's kitchen when Courtney and Luke Wilson are having the talk, and she has to tell them that they're being watched without telling them that they're being watched. Right, I using that was a really good scene as well. Right, using Chekhov's juicer. Yes. <laughs> so, but yeah, I thought that was really cool because, like, they're all trying to look nonchalant, but it's like, oh, okay. There's like, there's something in our kitchen watching us. So, but I do think it's Mr. Bones. Uh, I was, you know, up until you said it, I'm like, uh, like, I don't know who this is a red herring for, but you saying, um, uh, Mr. Bones makes a lot of sense. Especially since he's wearing the gloves, so he can't see his hands. Yes. Because of his uh, problem, if you will. Mm. 
Look at you. You're a genius of yourself, I tell you. I am. I sometimes I'm a little too smart. But that's just one of the other burdens that us Todd's carry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So I think that's everything. Uh, You know, no She-Hulk next week. Uh, But we got the Doctor Who special. Yes, and possibly a Black Adam. Possibly Black Adam. Yes, yes. Should be Um, a short show next week. (laughs) Um. That being said, um, Black Adam, questionable whether or not that's going to be available or not um, for us to see. We both have very busy weekends this weekend, but, uh, you know, crossing our fingers. One of us will talk about it or neither of us will talk about it. How about that? That sounds like a plan. And uh, I guess I'll say this here. Um, I'm not really sure what feed it's going to be on. It might go out on all of them just to be safe. Um I guess tonight's the debut of Sports Talk. Could be. I don't know if you know this, Joe. Occasionally, Adam will go into business for himself. So I don't know what's happening. Well, I'll say this. Um, I got two shows to edit tonight. Oh, my God. (laughs) And by edit, I mean Sports Talk is sitting in a Dropbox for me to download once we're done here. (laughs) <laughs> it is going up after this show goes up live but uh, that's right you got to have your priorities you never it, like adam like when he tweets these things out from the porch talk account you never know if it's real or not you know yep i just shrugged my shoulders and then we were past the plug section for soon to be named network then he sends me a thing he's like here's the write-up i want you to use here's oh. the show image it'll be at the dropbox in an hour and i'm like oh my god you know what? I might have to go into the Dropbox. I may listen to a porch talk. Uh, I don't know if you have a- It's in the at odds folder. Do you have access to the at odds? I don't think no. you have access to the at odds folder. I thought everything went into the into the long box heroes one. No, there's a separate at odds oh. folder. Then why? Then why are there podcasts and wrestling stuff showing up in the long box heroes one? Because the at odds one only Adam and I have access to. Mm-hmm. I think there's like two extra people that have access to the Longbox Heroes one, mm-hmm. and that's one that I can more show share stuff with people with. Okay, well that's the one that clogs up my little bit of a use of having Dropbox. Oh boy! So we're gonna have a talk about this, but not tonight because you got lots of work. Joe. I do got lots of work. All right, everyone, thank you very much uh, for listening to episode six twenty eight of Longbox Heroes. Uh, For Todd, this is Joe saying we'll catch you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Listening to the soon to be named network, the Lamborghini.
of Podcast Networks.